Ion 2020, episode 128. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey guys, it's Ray Eaton here, the host that brings you Monday through Friday, the news-related events, the things that are going on for the 2020 election, and I appreciate you coming out today. Everyone that listens to this show, I certainly do appreciate all of my listeners, and I notice that more and more of you guys are joining every single day. I think my listener base has doubled in about the last two weeks, which is amazing. I appreciate that. I really do. And it must mean that you're sharing the show with your friends. It must mean that you are uh, giving those five-star ratings and reviews that I talk about. It must mean that, you know, somehow people are finding the show even more and more. Uh, And the reason why is, you know, it's got to be because of you guys and what you're doing. So I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, I wish there was some way I could pay you guys back. The only thing I could do really is just put out more and more episodes and pay you guys back with good content, I guess. And that's what I'm going to try to do on a daily basis, Monday through Friday for you, bringing you all the information that you need for the 2020 election. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say as well. And you can do that if you email me at ray at ionthempire.com. You can go ahead and email me your stories, things that you're doing for the libertarian movement, things that you're doing to uh, move liberty forward in your neighborhood or in your community or, you know, across the world. Even if you're in another country, you can let me know what you're doing over there as well, because God knows a lot of the countries that across the world don't care much about libertarianism either, just like, you know, most people in America don't care about liberty and We want to make sure that we are moving this ball forward, not only in America, but all over the world if we can. But the best place to start is within your own communities. And that's why I'd love to feature people that are doing things within their communities as well. So go ahead, email me. Like I said, ray at ionthempire.com. You can also send me a voice message, anchor.fm slash ionthempire, or excuse me, ion the 2020. So anchor.fm slash ion2020, you can click on send a voice message. And if you leave me a voice message, about a minute or so, just tell me what what you're doing for the libertarian movement. I'll go ahead and play that on the show as well. I'd love to hear those stories. Same website, anchor.fm slash ion2020, is where you can go ahead and support the show as well. $2.99, support donations if you'd like. That, That must mean you really like what you hear. Uh, so I appreciate anyone that would support the show as well. And uh, I Am The Empire, you can find me on Minds, Twitter, and on Facebook by typing that in as well as IamTheEmpire.com. Uh, but anyway, moving on. So what I really wanted to talk about today was kind of like a recap of the both of the debates and kind of what they're saying about the debates after the fact. Because during both of the debates afterwards, I did not listen to any of the commentary. I did not listen to the things that were going on and what were being said. Uh, about you know what the what the talking heads were saying. And the reason why I did this is because I just wanted to give you an un you know an unbiased view of what I found about these or what I thought about these debates 
immediately afterwards. So I went through and, you know, took notes and so forth and, and put, took notes on the things that I found the most important. But the thing is, is that the pundits, obviously, they get lots and lots of people that are sending them information about what was said and you know also the aftermath after everything was up in the air and it fell you know the cards are on the table and it kind of it kind of says where each of the candidates are at this point so I wanted to talk about that stuff as well um but the first thing I want to talk about before I get into all that is this uh, all of the candidates brought up the idea that they were okay with giving Medicare, like free medicine, I guess, having Medicare for all, for any illegal immigrant that comes to America, anyone that has gotten across the border, that somehow they're entitled to free medicine as well. And every single candidate was on board with that. And to me, being a libertarian, we're all kind of struck on the idea of, is the system, you know, should illegal immigrants be able to take advantage of our system that we have? Uh, should there be a pathway to citizenship? Should there be a way for these people to get green cards? Should it be easier for them to get in? Uh, there's a huge debate going on within the, in, within the libertarian community. Or should we protect our culture by keeping immigrants out? Like the, Everyone's in a different position within, within the libertarian community, it seems like, on this important issue. And an important issue because Donald Trump runs on it. So does so do the Democrats. The Democrats, they do not seem like they think anyone's an illegal immigrant. It seems to me that they believe that everybody is, if they're in the United States, they should have full citizenship. There should be a pathway to citizenship for these people that, no, you know, no strings attached, whatever. All you got to do is get over the fence and you're here and you're good to go. It seems like that to me, but they all raised their hands and said that these people should have free health care and so forth. And one of the big arguments that they said is this, in America, where we are compassionate, where we care about people, you know, this is not America by leaving these people in, place, in positions where they're unhealthy. It's not American to be that way. But the thing is, guys, and, you know, thinking about this particular issue, I was thinking to myself, if you use that argument for anything, then you would have to be for the idea that maybe we should just make everyone in the world an American citizen at that point, right? That everyone should have the ability to just fly here, get free health health insurance for the time being that they're here, get their coverage, you know, get their surgery that they need, and then go back home. If you're going to make that type of argument, that would be the case. And the reason why I say this is because anyone could just fly over here, right? So why not just, hey, everyone is covered by Medicare in the entire world now. And that doesn't even make sense, right? So when these Democrats, when they get up there and they say that, I don't know. I mean, to me, you're making a case for the government to provide something for somebody. And I think that that is something that I don't agree with in the first place. You know how I feel about that. Uh, the government shouldn't be promising anybody anything except for maybe some security uh, from, you know, invasion or something like that. Uh, but other than that, I don't think that the government should do most of the stuff that it does, especially provide free medicine for anybody, especially somebody that kind of snuck into the country. Uh, that's my feeling, though. I mean, everyone has a different point of view on that. I know if you're listening to like Reason.com, they're, they're for complete open borders, and there's an idea that, yeah, if you just have open borders and then these people do take care advantage of the welfare system, it'll make cracks in the welfare system that people will start to notice, and then 
it'll force them to make a change at that point, right? It'll force them to not provide as much welfare. But you guys both know, you and I both know that government does nothing but grows in the first place. That's all government does is grow, grow, grow. So if you started making that the policy where you had open borders in some way, it's going to continue to grow and then it's going to make the system fall apart a little bit. And then what the politicians are going to do is try to institute more and more control at that point. So I'm kind of on the fence on the open borders thing in the first place, but I tend to lead towards the idea that, yeah, open borders would be great if we had no welfare state. If there was, uh, you know, we have a good economy, immigrants and people that are coming to America from other countries, they do add to the economy. I think that that's important and that's true. Even Even illegal immigrants who jump the fence and come work for you know, somebody in America, they are adding to the economy by buying food, by buying products and so forth. There is that, you know, that is the case. Even if they're working, you know, under an alias with a fake social security number, they're paying into the system with taxes. You know how I feel about taxes in the first place, but they are paying in the system. So they are, they, they are not necessarily a net drain on the, on the government or the economy. They're actually adding to the economy, but you can't just have the, my feeling is that you can't just have the open borders when you do have that welfare style state. Now, most of the immigrants that come over, they don't take advantage of the welfare state. But if you were set up a system where everybody could just apply for Medicaid or Medicare, then why wouldn't you just open it up the entire world then? And I think the Democrats would do that if they could. I mean, they all raised their hands and said all illegal, illegal immigrants that come across the border should have free medicine. I just, I just can't agree with that. I really can't. I mean, they're, they're, I, I mean, yes, we should be compassionate as Americans, but the government doing something is not compassion. The government doing something is confiscating from somebody else to give to somebody else. And if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or one of these people want to give of their money and give of their time and give of their um, wealth to an illegal immigrant who needs, you know, cancer treatment or something, then yeah, go ahead and do it. I'm all about you giving your money away. I'm all about you being a a compassionate American because that's what we are. We're compassionate people. We give more money away in this world than any other country per capita in the history of the world. So we are compassionate people, but government confiscating from one person giving to another person is not compassion. All that is is pandering. And that's all I see when those people raise their hand on that stage saying that they want to get that we need to be compassionate and give to these people free health care. All I see is, no, that's pandering because you're in an audience in Miami and the far left cheers you on when you start saying all these pandering ideas about these, you know, the, the immigration policies and so forth. And it's wrong. It absolutely is. It's not a I hate Mexicans or I hate people from South America thing. It's not that. Because I love people. I mean, I have nothing wrong with somebody from one of those countries. I actually think that there should be way more immigration. They should make it very easy for these people to immigrate and get some kind of green card and come work in this country. I think it's a very good thing. I do. But we need to look at the fact that there is a welfare state and you can't just you know have people just hop in the border and come in and get in the welfare and all that. I don't mind an illegal immigrant in the sense that they're going to come over here and work. To me, that's fine. Then give them the opportunity to have a green card and work legally if they want to, right? Even if they are in here, in here illegal, don't make them go back and get a green card. Let them have it. That's fine with me. I don't mind it. They're not a net drain on society unless they're taking advantage, taking advantage of the welfare system that we have. And by offering 
free medicine, all those people are doing on that stage is pandering to the far left. I think the New York Post, and maybe I'm just, I think the New York Post and somebody, I mean, maybe someone just made up this particular meme, but it showed the New York Post and it said, who wants to lose the election the fastest? Or who wants to lose the election? And all of them had their hands up and it said all of the Democrats have their hands up saying that they want to give free health care to illegal immigrants, right? And that is true. That is a quick way to lose the election when everybody is on board with that. And they're going to hold them accountable to that. The Republicans are going to hold them accountable to that. That is going to be brought up by Donald Trump day in and day out that you want to give free health care to legal, legal aliens when he won the election on the idea of a border wall. He did. He won the election on the idea of a border wall. And you just gave it to Donald Trump by doing that, to be honest with you. You just gave it to Donald Trump because most Americans are on the side of Donald Trump on this issue. They feel like it's important that you protect Americans first and that's it. I mean, Americans are patriotic people. You want to take care of your people first and then move in and then be willing to take care of other people second, you know? That's just the way they are. So let's go ahead and move on, though, from that particular topic. I'd like to talk to you guys about what the, in the aftermath of the first and second debate, what it is that I'm hearing about. So clearly there was winners of each of the debate, and I think that the people are saying on the, the pundits specifically are saying that Elizabeth Warren had a great performance, but she's kind of like the person that, I mean, she's christened to be one of the top contenders. Obviously the, the press is on her side. It seems like to me, they were throwing her those softball questions asking, do you have a plan for that? And she's like, yes, I do have a plan for that. I mean, they're acting like her marketing team in the first place. So obviously they're saying that Elizabeth Warren had a great performance uh, they're not saying too much about anyone else on the stage except for Cory Booker during that first debate. And he had a lot of time on that stage as well. He is a clear winner in that debate. And then the, like, the libertarian-leaning people are all claiming that Tulsi Gabbard was the clear winner of the debate. As an unbiased person, just kind of looking at it from the outside. Because, to be honest with you guys, I could care less about who won and who lost these debates in the first place. To me, it's all just... Um, I don't know, it's, it's all just, I just, I could look at it completely objective is what it comes down to. And I look at it from the standpoint of who, when the Democrats look at these candidates, who is the person that can stand up to Donald Trump and beat Donald Trump? That's the first thing on their mind, right? Tulsi Gabbard, yes, she won the debates, both of them, in my eyes, in the sense that she was the only person that brought up anything close to being a libertarian policy on foreign policy, right? So she won the debate as a, from a libertarian perspective, she did. Now she is terrible on social issues, but yes, she won the debate because of that. And also she won the debate in the sense that she was able to get her name recognition out there even more because people start looking her up at that point. They want to know a little bit about this lady at that point, right? So they're looking at her saying, wow, what a great, you know, what a great thing that she said. Let me go ahead and look her up. So she won on that account with probably the people that are very socially conscious, that are Bernie Sanders followers probably, but are anti-war type Bernie Sanders followers. See what I'm saying? And also the libertarians that are willing to 
you know, look at her in a credible way because of her foreign policy statements. So she won because of that. But Cory Booker, clearly somebody that, you know, is going to go into that top tier at this point, I could imagine. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and him in that first debate are definitely going to be doing well. Uh, Kamala Harris is the clear winner of the second debate. And I said that on my show as well. She's definitely uh, was able to hit hard on a lot of issues. She seemed very confident in the way that she said it. She had an emotional thing going on as well. And I didn't pick up on this too much. I didn't talk about it on my show. I did pick up on it, but I didn't realize how much of it was going to make a big, um, you know, how much the com- the news commentary was going to be on this particular issue. But when she hit Vice President Biden on the idea that he was for you know, states' rights, essentially, on the segregationist movement, right? That it was the states and the counties that could make those decisions. And she says, this is a federal issue, and the federal government should be in charge of it, and so forth. Now, he was defending it from an old-school standpoint that, you know, if they were already doing it, if they were already busing the kids into school and all that, then, you know, it shouldn't have been an issue that the federal government deals with. But Kamala Harris was trying to get him to apologize. And she had this big old story and all that. But the thing, the major thing that the pundits were saying after the fact is that Joe Biden is for states' rights. And that, you know, that states' rights is a racist issue and everything else. So he got hit hard on that. I don't know how much it's going to affect him. I don't know how much people even paid attention to the debate that would be like a a Joe Biden supporter anyway because he's kind of like the middle of the road guy Um, but he got really bad press for that and it's been something that's been talked about since then as well Um, so we'll see how we'll see what the follow it is on that I thought that Joe Biden was one of the you know one of the winners in that debate because he didn't like hurt himself but then again he may have hurt himself and they were also saying or because of this, that particular issue with Kamala Harris, that little argument that they had back and forth, and being like some of this for states' rights or something, which I don't think that he's for states' rights. I think that most of these Democrats are for like the federal government having control of everything, down to the fa- down to the you know what kind of shoes your kids wear if they can, you know. Um, and Joe Biden's maybe a little bit less than that. Maybe he just wants to control um, what you know the the types of shoes that they can buy. But anyway. Um, what he's getting, I mean, I just, I thought that he was a clear winner, or one of the clear winners of that debate, but after the fact, I'm starting to realize that he did kind of shoot himself in the foot. Also, they're saying that he was acting like he was old, forgetting things, slurring his speech, and so forth. I didn't really see that during the debate. Um, he did seem kind of confused a couple times and kind of like stumbling over his words in some ways, and like he, he did like some full stops when the like when, it, like when the red light came on but i think he was just trying to be courteous more than anything else and that's that's what i thought but the pundits were saying oh no he just you know full stopped and maybe forgot what he was trying to say but i just think he was trying to be courteous to the you know the fact that probably the red light came on on the thing that tells them that they need to wrap up their statement right whereas Kamala Harris every time she went over she would just keep on talking 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 and then over the over time, the the moderators would maybe say to her, "Hey, you know, Senator," and then but they would do it very lightly, where it was hardly even noticed what they were trying to talk over her, and then she would just talk a little bit louder and a little bit louder and just keep on going on, 
hardly being interrupted whatsoever. Um, but I think that's because she's an establishment person that they're going to want uh, to be running. I mean, she's a black female. That's a strong black female. And clearly she's a very strong woman, you know? So they're going to, they, they like that. They want that person to be pushed forward. Uh, anytime anybody else, they're in both debates, anytime anyone that was not a, um, a front runner candidate went over time, they would interrupt them rudely. But if they were a front runner candidate like Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, um, specifically Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris are the one, and Cory Booker too, if they were speaking and that they went over time, it was very much, you know, kid gloves on when they were trying to interrupt those people. But everybody else, they would just cut them off immediately. And uh, so anyway, those are the four people that pretty much are, you know, the four people that I thought, you know, had the best performances. Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, which if you want to call her performance you know, really good. I don't, I, I didn't feel that way too much, but that's what the pundits were saying afterwards. Kamala Harris had a really good performance as well. Uh, and then you also had Tulsi Gabbard. So that, that's a little recap from the last two nights of the debates that, that, that went on. Um, I don't know guys that I'm going to do too many more of these two night debate shows. And the reason why is because, yeah, I get, I mean, I think you get a lot more listeners that way to the podcast when you just do it right afterwards. And I might, I I haven't decided yet. I know there's a couple more debates coming up soon and I might do two nights again where I actually talk about the debates immediately afterwards. But my problem with it is this. I don't want to fall too far into the propaganda trap that the two-party system tries to set up, right? They want it to seem like the Democrats and the Republicans are the only two parties to look at. That's just the way that the system is set up. Let's set it up where the Democrats get lots and lots of publicity for a year, two years or whatever before the elections happen. So they get all kinds of news publicity going on constantly between the two parties and the two party system. The, the Republicans, they're not having a primary but they're going to focus their full effort on Donald Trump and getting him reelected. And it's just, it's a, it's a trap. It's a propaganda trap. It's a system that we have in place that creates this idea that you only have two choices. And I just want to let you guys know that there's way more choices than that. There's, I mean, it's, it's hard to conceive of the idea one day that you'll have a three or four party system because of the entrenched interests that are out there. But I think that we need to get away from this idea that you have to vote for the Republican or the Democrat. I think that we need to realize that there's another way. And it, like, we, yes, we can vote for libertarian-leaning Democrats. We could vote for libertarian-leaning Republicans, I guess, if you want to use your vote as a, f- a way to defend yourself from government. But I think that by me continuing to do the episode specifically on the Democrats constantly, it leaves a little bit of opportunity for telling you guys more about other parties and so forth. But you know what? It does allow me to have the episode. And then at the end, like I did on the end of the other, at the other, the last debate, the debate number two, after that recap, I did say, listen, the reason why we have these candidates promising all they do 
and trying to give away so much free stuff is because people are receptive to it. And the reason why they're receptive of these promises is because of the culture that we have now, that the government has all the answers. So it does allow me to have that conversation with new listeners, listeners that might have tuned in because they're Democrats. So maybe I will. I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet how I'm going to approach the next debates. But I want you guys to know this. It's very important that we continue to spread the message of liberty. It's important that we share different podcasts and different websites with our friends that might have some compelling arguments towards liberty. It's important to find people that are on the edge and moving closer to liberty to help them along in that process. It's important to plant little seeds in people's minds that might one day form into a libertarian message in their mind that might get them thinking, even if it's a little small seed that two years from now might sprout, at least they'll start getting that message. Maybe slightly distrust the government. And then at that point, it leads to something else. But whatever we do, we need to have a message that resonates with the people. And we do have a message that resonates with the people. We just need to make sure that we're constantly trying to tailor our message to the people that we're talking to. But the most important thing is is not to sit back and think that it's just going to be done for you. We need to get out there and do it and make this thing happen, guys, okay? So what I challenge you to do, what I challenge you to do this week on a Monday, is find friends that are getting interested in the debates. Find friends that are getting interested in politics. Find those people and bring them to this show. Share the show with them. Share the debate shows with them, maybe. Because I, I feel like I didn't get too much into like the libertarian message on these debates. I kind of tried to focus mostly on the issues and so forth, and maybe a little bit of editorial on the issues that they're covering, but I don't feel like I took it from a completely libertarian stance overall. I was trying to be as objective as possible. So lead those people to this show, and maybe they'll continue to listen to the show, and then we could plant some seeds in them that way. But we could also lead them to other shows and websites and so forth, because this is the election season. This is our time to shine, guys. It is. We have... We're most likely not going to have a strong libertarian candidate that's going to get out there and make waves. And the reason why is because this is not going to be a third party's this is not going to be a third party's race. The Democrats just want to get rid of Donald Trump. They'll do whatever it takes. So they're all going to line up behind their candidate. And the Republicans and the libertarian leaning Republicans and even a lot of libertarians are going to jump behind Trump because they don't want a socialist in office. So when you have a far left and a far right group on either side, and far right when I say when I when I talk about Trump being far right, I'm not talking about, you know, <clears throat> white supremacy or libertarianism or you know, being that far, you know, where they just don't want government whatsoever. I'm talking about like, you know, very nationalistic, right? Um that type of policy that that Donald Trump talks about. So when you have that type of of race lining up, I just don't think it's going to be the libertarians' time to shine with a candidate, but we can get somebody out there that can resonate with people and talk to the message properly. And then we could use this time as a group, as a group of libertarians, what we can do is use this time to 
get involved in these conversations that people are having around the water tank or wherever you're at. I don't I mean, there's an online water tank nowadays because not, not many people go to the office and do that. But when you're talking with people at work and so forth, let them know, hey, you know what? You know, there is a different way and we have it. And then maybe you can have those conversations with people. But anyway, guys, I appreciate you listening to the show. I do. Uh, if you hear a little background noise, that's because I was driving when I made this. I had to be driving. So uh, I made sure I try to, you know, I try to do this in confined spaces where it's quiet most of the time, but sometimes I just don't have a choice like today. Um, so anyway, I appreciate you listening to the show. Go ahead and share with your friend. Uh, go ahead and give me a five-star rating review if you really like what you hear. And then another thing that you can do is, uh, you know, email me, ray at irontheempire.com, and let me know your story. And then if you do all of that, you can also come back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020. So you know how I'm always talking about this idea that we should be out here spreading liberty and talking to people and doing something for liberty, right? And then I'm also featuring some podcasts and some websites that I find that are from people that are doing things within the libertarian movement and making a real difference. Well, there's a podcast I found called Culture of Peace, and you guys are going to love this one. It's actually the gentleman's the host's name, his name is Luke Tatum, and he's been doing this, he's up to episode 31 right now, it looks like he puts out a podcast every week, but I've been listening to it, and I really like the show, you guys will like it as well, what he's doing is he's out there talking to people and interviewing them about what they're doing in libertarian movements, so you guys will really like this, I think that it's something that you guys should really check out, it's called Culture of Peace, and it's with Luke Tatum.